here to recognize our, our graduates and to rejoice with them and their families and, and to honor them. I hope you make plans to stick around after we're finished this morning and take part in the potluck that many have prepared food for and to, again at the 1.30 uh, service this afternoon as we, we spend the day with our graduates and their families. Such a great group of young people as we always have here at Seven Oaks. Such an encouragement too when you see the diversity of the, the plans that they have and the things that they've accomplished and achieved and just uh, such a blessing that the couple of, uh, I think it was six months that I <clears throat> agreed to be the youth minister there for a little bit and uh, was able to spend, I think, three years with them. And so uh, certainly thankful every day for Jacob and his being here with us now. But uh, they were a blessing in the time that I shared with them. Jacob, I know, shares that sentiment and, and, and says that to me frequently. And so a good group of, of, of young men and women. If you picked up an outline this morning, you've got a couple of options. Number one, you can read the title of it and say, not me, and fold it up and put it down and zone out for the next uh, however long we, we speak here. I hope you don't do that. There's three people here at least that um, this applies directly to because uh, we just honored them. But I hope the rest of you choose option three. If you got your pencil or pen or whatever, mark out the word graduates and replace that word with me, a message for me. And our thought this morning is going to come uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 11 through 16. And I'm not sure that that was what we put up there for Gary to read. I know that's the passage that it said. Uh, but the passage there in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, 11 through 16 is talking about our youth and the things that we can be as an example uh, to others. And so I want you to, to, to think about our message today in that regard. A message for me, a message for graduates, a message for whatever stage of life that you're in. And I hope you take the message as not a message from me to you, but rather a message from Scripture. Some advice, some different things that I've been told in my life and some things that I think we can find in Scripture uh, to share with others uh, to help us in our Christian lives. And so with that being said, let's, let's dive right in. A message for our graduates. Number one, as you go out into the world and you leave high school and, and some of you are leaving home for mom and dad for the first time and, and you go out and into the world, number one, remember who you represent. Remember who you are and remember who and, and what you represent. Because letter A, you might not know this now, but you represent more than just yourself. You represent more than just yourself. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 says, to be an example to others. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Let no one despise your youth. You represent more than just yourself. Let it be you represent your family. It's part of what I mean by that. B, C, and D all are talking about the things that you represent in addition to just yourself. And you represent your family in so many different ways. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 25 says, Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. <clears throat> I think that passage means so much more to me now than I'm a father. <clears throat> Proverbs 23, 25, Let your father be glad. There are times as a child that I'm sure that I did things that caused my father something a little more than just gladness. Those of you that have children, I wish you'd nod your heads. I hope that you've all, at some point or another, had a child that's done something that's caused you a little more than just always gladness. There's times when it might cause heartache 
There's times where it might cause embarrassment. I remember one Sunday morning in church that we did. We changed the order of services. And now, y'all, for a young child, you mess with the order of service. I'm not saying it's not scriptural, but I'm just saying it messes with the young child. And we did something different where we had an extra prayer. But in my mind, that was the closing prayer. And I remember, I remember distinctly, and I probably couldn't have been over six or seven years old. But I remember it was in the wintertime because when the second prayer started, I reached for my jacket. And very confusedly, mom handed me my jacket and I put it on. And the person got up to pray and I inched over to the outside and dad was confused because he sits on the outside, but he, oh, okay, he, he let me over there. And as soon as the person praying said, amen, I clapped my hands together and I jumped out in the aisle and I said, I don't remember much about the sermon, that sure was short, but let's go. And I headed out the door and there hadn't been the sermon yet. Luckily, we sat in the next to last row, and only one other row heard that debacle. But for me, it was an embarrassment. I don't think Dad was embarrassed, but for me, it was an embarrassment. They messed with the order of worship. Can't be messing with the order of worship. It's got to be that certain way. Now, there's far more serious things than something like that. But for our graduates, church, for you and for I, we represent our families. There's a last name associated with you. If you're the parent or the grandparent, you're setting the stage now for your children and grandchildren, especially in a small town like Mayfield. You can go to a national level, and there's last names that just mean something. The Rockefeller name, the Kennedy name. There's lots of others. You hear a name, and it automatically means something to you based on the actions of others that have had that last name. There's some of y'all that somebody will say a last name. And you'll say, ah, yeah, but those aren't mine. And then fill in the last name. You want to distance yourselves, good or bad. Graduates, you go off to college. No matter where it's at, your last name goes with you. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it may be, you represent your family. Letter C, you represent your church. You represent your church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And others look to you as an example of the church. Now is that fair? I mean, didn't we talk about that last week when I was up here? Tyler's back next week. Y'all just hang on. you got one more, one more day of suffering through me and you get Tyler back. But we talked about that last week. And the fact that whether it's right or wrong, we look to other people sometimes as an example of believers, and other people look to you sometimes as an example of what a believer should be. That's not fair. Okay, I'm not going to argue that it is, but it's truth. It's what happens. You represent your church. <clears throat> we had those Seven Oaks shirts that folks brought during the tornado, and always made me nervous. I was always at the same time thankful that we gave them out inside the building because a free distribution of shirts with your names on it, you're not sure who's going to be wearing your church in public. At the pharmacy, we make t-shirts sometimes with our names on it, but we don't just hand those out because when that shirt's on and it's got a name on it, everything that you do reflects back on the name that you're presenting. You leave here with our Seven Oaks softball uh, t-shirts on and you go play a softball game and after the game the way you act and the things that you do it's a direct reflection because you're literally wearing the shirt that says 
what you're a part of, who you're a part of. But I would submit to you, whether you're wearing a shirt that says Seven Oaks, whether you're wearing a shirt that says Churches of Christ, or whether you're wearing a plain white or plain black or plain blue or red or whatever color t-shirt, you represent the church. And others know that you represent the church. And the way that you act, whether it's in public or in private or at church or at school, or at work, or in your college classes, or in your vocational school, or on the job in your trade, wherever you are, others know that you're a member of the church and the things that you do represents the church. Well, that's not fair. It's a whole other sermon. <laughs> now, y'all tell me, am I right or am I wrong? That's what we do. You're not supposed to judge. I don't argue that. But that's what the world does. You represent your church. Romans chapter 13 verses 12 through 14 tells us that we are to cast off darkness and to put on the armor of light. Mark chapter 9 and verse 42 says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Graduates, as you leave here, you represent your church. Perhaps most important out of all of these, letter D, you represent your God. You represent your God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 says simply, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And so when you think about grieving the Holy Spirit, causing sorrow for the Holy Spirit of God, the passage says, grieving the Spirit. How could I grieve the Spirit of God? Well, you think back again to last week we talked about the cost that heaven paid for you and I have the hope of an eternity in heaven and so God sent his son to sacrifice his life for us and when we reject that sacrifice when we live a way that doesn't reflect that sacrifice it causes grief with the very Holy Spirit of God I won't read it this morning but if you got time turn there to Ephesians chapter 4 and read through verses 25 through 32 and it talks about some of the ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit and things that you and I are not supposed to do and I think John 13 and verse 35 summarizes it all up perfectly John 13 and verse 35 <clears throat> always kind of uh, resets my perspective I always try to think about how can others know that we're Christians what can we do to make sure others know that we're Christians and, and, and I, this is Michael's opinion I think the Pharisees from the Bible wanted to do what they could do so that others could know that they were Christians and the Pharisees did it wrong and now watch it church I think sometimes we do it wrong the Pharisees wanted you to know that they were Christians by the way that they looked by the way that they dressed by the way that they talked by the way that they told you that you were wrong <laughs> and they were right and by the way that they kept the very tiniest aspects of the law and they lorded it over others and Jesus in John 13 and verse 35 said that others will know that you are Christians by the way that you follow every little minute detail and beat others into submission is that what your version says not what mine says John 13 and verse 35 says that they will know you are Christians y'all help me here they'll know you're Christians by your what by your love the love that you show to others and so as you go out into the world are you going to show love and kindness for others or is there some other attribute that you want to put forward first and so graduates as you go out you represent your God others will know that you're Christians by your love number two 
a message for our graduates. And this one sounds harsh. Y'all bear with me. Graduates, live up to your expectations. Live up to your expectations. Church, live up to your expectations. Now, letter A, but don't make those expectations unreal. Don't make those expectations unreal. I graduated from high school and I went to Murray State and I wanted to major in engineering and physics. I'm not sure why. I like calculus. I like physics. I know that's not normal, but I liked it. Engineering physics sounded really cool. I was going to be the best engineer and phys person that studied physics <clears throat> that had ever existed. That's what I was going to be. And I, and I did that for about a year and a half until I got into a computer programming class. Sorry, Miss Brenda. And I failed it. I think it had something to do with I was coaching basketball at the same time. <laughs> and you had like four hours of homework every night. And you couldn't do homework and coach basketball, too. You had to pick. And we had a really good team, so, you know, I picked. And so I retook the class the next semester, and I think I made like a C minus. I didn't fail. But then we had a job fair, and um, most of the careers that came out of that program, people went to work for NASA, <laughs> like uh, actual rocket scientists. <laughs> no, that's not for me. And so my first goal after graduating from high school, and if you want to look at it, I guess I failed. Because my expectation was I was going to be a great engineer and other thing. Couldn't do it. So I went the pharmacy route, and I got into pharmacy school, and I, and I got into pharmacy school, and, and I, I was going to study hard, and I'm going to go up there, I'm going to make a 4.0. I'm going to be a 4.0, dean's list, never make a B in pharmacy school. And the first semester, y'all know the, your phone number, right? 270-247, it, it, uh, you know, fill in the rest of the blanks. That first part's called the area code, and the next part's called the prefix. And my GPA after the first semester wasn't a 4.0. It matched my prefix of my telephone number, and uh, that wasn't good. Uh, I passed, <clears throat> and so we had to um, readjust those goals from a 4.0 to maybe I can pass pharmacy school. And I will say after the first semester, I made the dean's list the rest of the way through. The first semester was rough. So am I a failure? That's where I'm going with this. Graduates heading off to college or to, to whatever your next step may be, trainings, whatever it may be. If you hit some bumps along the way, if you change your plans along the way, does that mean that you failed? Of course not. Of course not. The second point, live up to your expectations, but don't make those expectations unreal. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37 gives us, in my opinion, the perfect example of what our goals should be, of what our expectations should be. Mark chapter 8 and verse 36 says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? For what will you give in exchange for your soul? And so what's your expectation in life? Do you want to be the best uh, graduate from a certain program? Do you want to be a pharmacist or a doctor or, or whatever? It may what do you want to be? What are your expectations? And if you achieve all of those, but you lose your soul, what have you gained? And so live up to your expectations, but don't make those expectations unreal. Uh, write this down, please, if you've got your outlines, especially our graduates. Live by this. You will always be a success in life if you spend eternity in heaven. Eh, it doesn't matter anything else. You will always be a success in life, even if you're broke, living in poverty. You will always be a success in life if you spend eternity in heaven. You will only be a failure in life if you spend eternity in hell. 
What would you give in exchange for your soul? Letter B. <clears throat> Graduates, don't use your youth are older than graduates this morning, don't use your age as an excuse not to serve God with all of your strength. And our young people are full of energy and ideas, but they have to demonstrate that zeal in their life. 1 Timothy 4, 12-16, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in the world, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So church, it says there, uh, don't let anyone despise your youth. But now young people, sometimes we forget the rest of that. You're supposed to be an example to us. You're supposed to be an example to us. Uh, how? <clears throat> well, in your word, in your language that you use, in your conduct and the things you take part in, in your love for others, in your spirit, in your faith, in your purity. Verse 14 goes on and Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Graduates, you've got a gift. Don't neglect the gift. Take heed to yourself, verse 16, and to the doctrine, and continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Our older members this morning, Bible tells them in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 to continue to be faithful. Be faithful all the way to death. And I'll give you the crown of life. Titus chapter 2 verses 3 through 5. You older women, teach the younger women. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. You fathers, bring up your children in the Lord. There's no escaping it. If you're young, use your young to bring others to Christ. Use your youth to bring others to Christ. If you're an older woman, teach the younger women the things that they should do to be Christian ladies. If you're a father, then be a father to children and teach them the ways. And what if you're not a biological father or a biological mother? Do you think that that would prohibit you, older men, older women, from teaching, for helping, for being involved in the lives of some other young person? Of course not. Be involved in the lives of our youth, older folks. That's my age and, and up. Youth, younger folks, be an example to the ones that are older. Whatever you do, let her see. Graduates, use your abilities. Use your abilities. Romans 12, 3-8 says that I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Did you listen to the accomplishments of your seniors this morning? you got Cade, that's the, the football player that's going to college to play football and do great things in, in athletics. you got Brody over here that was also a football player and that's involved in carpentry and building things. you got Kaylee who, if you didn't look at her artwork in the back back there this morning, stop and look at it on the way out. It is amazing the things that she can do with art and with design. And so Kaylee, if I was starting a football team today, might not be my first pick to play wide receiver or to play on the line. But if I was going to build a house, I don't know what I wouldn't probably pick Brody over Cade. But if I needed something designed or some artwork, I'm picking Kaylee because no offense, Cade, I don't trust you to draw anything. And so does that mean that one of them is better than the other one? No. It means they all have different abilities and talents. Church, you and I have different abilities and talents in the work of the Lord. It doesn't have to be the same. As a matter of fact, it better not be the same because we don't need everybody to do the same thing. 
but we all have responsibilities and things that we can do. Graduates, please use your abilities. Matthew chapter 25 is the parable of the servant with the talents. You remember the master went off and he gave one the five and the other two and the one he gave one and he came back home and the one that had five brought ten and the one with two brought four and the one with one brought back one. I assume y'all remember that parable. If you don't, turn there. It's Matthew 25. You can read it this afternoon. But the one with five brought five more. The one with two brought two more. The master didn't punish the one with two for not bringing five, did he? He did what he could do with the two that he had. And the one that he gave one to, if you notice what he said, he didn't tell the one with one that he should have doubled it. He didn't tell the one with one that he should have made five. He told the one that had one talent, you should have done something. If I recall correctly, I think it was something along the lines of at a minimum, you could have drawn interest. At, at a minimum, you could have done, but you should have done something. You and I with our abilities, we don't have to save the whole world. We don't have to volunteer for everything, but we have to do something. Finally, number three, a message for our graduates, set and keep your priorities straight. Letter A, set your mind on heavenly things. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says that if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. There's a lot of distractions in life. A lot of distractions. And the way to avoid those distractions is to set and keep your mind on heavenly things. Letter B, keep Christ and his church first in your life. Keep Christ and his church first in your life. Those of you that are going off somewhere to college, when you get there, first thing I encourage you to do, find a church, find a congregation, find someone that you can um, be a part of and to maintain faithful while you're away at college. And when you find that congregation, introduce yourself to their elders. Let them know who you are and that you're a college student and that you're going to be going to church here. And give them your number. Don't hide. Let them know you're there so they can love you and encourage you and support you. And as we have young people come through our congregation here at Seven Oaks, let's do that for them and encourage and love and support. Keep Christ and his church first in your life. Matthew 6, says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Keep Christ and his church first in your life. And finally, letter C. is a message for our graduates. Don't allow the pursuit of wealth to overshadow your pursuit of holiness and heaven. Don't let the pursuit of wealth overshadow your pursuit of holiness and heaven. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. And the years draw near when I say I have no pleasure in them. And then the writer there goes through the next 12 verses talking about all the difficulties. And in verse 13 he comes back and he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. Church, the future will hold many surprises for all of us. Some of those will be good. A lot of those will be bad. Whether our lives are easy or difficult is oftentimes out of our control. But the one thing that we, we can control is our soul's destination for eternity. 
We can control that not because of some great thing that you and I can do. We can control that not because we can work our way to heaven or we can earn heaven. But rather we can control our soul's eternal destination because of the sacrifice that's been made on our behalf. The final message for our graduates this morning, the final message for you this morning, is if today were the last day of my life here on this earth, where would my eternity be? If you've never put on Christ in baptism for the remission of your sins, why, why wait any longer? The baptistry is ready. We'd be more than happy to, to, to take part in that with you today, to have your sins washed away, to rise, to walk in a newness of life. If you put on Christ in the past, you've, you've put away that old man, put away that old life, and put on a new, but along the way you've fallen astray. We'd pray with you and for you this morning. God would forgive you. If we could help you in any way at all today, would you please come while we stand and sing? Say 